Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode. Whatever platform you listen to us on, wherever in the world you're listening, as always, your support is greatly appreciated. So for today's topic, we're going to talk about a unique situation that you may have faced before. And if you haven't, there's a good chance you're going to face it sometime in your coaching career. As we know, every year our team makeup is different and each team has its own unique strengths and challenges. One of the more unique situations that you may face is players who come into your program who are learning the game late and they end up on your team and they're late learners. Maybe they always played a different sport and they just picked up basketball. Maybe physically they were a late bloomer and so they didn't get into it until later in their teenage years. Or maybe they have kind of played a bit on and off, but they never really truly learned the game or learned it in an organized manner at least. So the question becomes what to do with those players, how to make them viable and sometimes key members of your roster. And that's what we're going to get into today with our guest. My guest, among other titles, is the head boys basketball coach at Central Mountain out in Pennsylvania. I'm very happy to be joined by Coach Tyler Bardo. Coach, thank you so much for taking some time to talk hoops of us. I know you're a busy man. How are you? Uh, doing well. I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity here, Coach Hernandez. Uh, I think it's really important that we not only learn the game, but it's imperative that we, we take advantage of opportunities to share it as well. So I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. And I appreciate your willingness to share. So coach, let's go ahead and get started with your basketball journey, your coaching journey. Where's the game taking you and what were the steps that got you to where you are right now? Uh, um, you know, as you, as you alluded to, I'm, I'm the, currently the head coach at Central Mountain High School uh, in Central Pennsylvania. Um, I'm also serving as a, uh, one of a few national directors for the Next Level U organization, which is a uh, uh, basketball service for scholastic uh, kids looking to take their game uh, to the collegiate level. Uh, we have multiple things that we do there. Um, I, I would say, you know, as far as basketball, my love for the game started around 12 years old. Um, I, I just kind of fell in love with the artistry that that uh, is basketball. Um, it was enjoyable for me. It, it serves different challenges every day, even now, um, took me outside my comfort zone, uh, you know, from the sport I, I, I played, which was baseball from a very young age and very much, uh, abruptly quit that as soon as I got a taste of, of hoops. Um, but also as a person, it's, it's really, uh, helped me to bring, get outside my comfort zone and some of the different things I've been able to do. Um, case in point, right around 14 years old, I was fortunate enough to be asked to go play uh, in the Henri de Sioux tournament in Ardres, France. Um, and I was a part of the, at the time, the first U USA team uh, to enter that particular tournament. Um, you know, and you can imagine having that experience at such a young age, um, just kind of, and, and a positive one at that, uh, just kind of enthralls you and, 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 you know, wants you to kind of lead you to see what more can I do with this? Um uh, novicely, I say novicely here, pursued college basketball um, at Hood College in Frederick, Maryland. Uh, and very quickly, though, you know, I, I knew from, from, you know, my days in high school, I wanted to educate kids. Uh, and, you know, it wasn't long into, into my uh, time at Hood College where I was, I, I knew that uh, maybe that wasn't the, the best place for me to do that. And, and quickly my, my route to being 
relevant in coaching basketball was was going to be different than most. You know, a lot of guys um, that, that coach have deeper backgrounds, maybe than just high school basketball in terms of their playing days. Um, but uh, I was willing to accept that and, and uh, transferred a little closer to home and uh, began coaching professionally. And by that, I just mean I earned a paycheck doing it uh, around 19 years old. Wow. Um, it cultivated into a great opportunity for me being the director of basketball for uh, FLS International, which was a program for kids overseas uh, to come to the United States, uh, not only study the English language, but also study, uh, you know, a specific um, pathway. Uh, there was photography and, and, you know, basketball as well. And that happened to land right here in my hometown of Lock Haven, Pennsylvania. Uh, during that, I had 20 kids from 11 different countries outside of the United States uh, that I got to teach basketball to. Wow. And <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and, yeah, and I was, uh, that was in my early 20s. And um, it was just another one of those stepping stones. But again, more fuel to, to again, see how far can I can I go with this? You know, if I can reach these kids uh, from this many countries, you know, what, what can what can we do with the kids right here? Uh, on, on U.S. soil and, and even more directly right here in my hometown, um, which leads me to taking over my, my, my high school program, my alma mater, um, about four years ago as the head coach. Um, we've had some, some successes. We've had some, uh, you know, years that have been a little more trying as well in those four years, um, you know, appearing in two district championship games uh, to this point, uh, a league championship as well. Um, and then, you know, I try to make sure that I'm not, defined as you know in, in one particular realm and sometimes that happens when we take over a, a program as uh, somebody who oversees the entire thing um, but I, I've kept uh, you know my learning continuing from other coaches and things uh, through numerous AAU programs um, and I was very fortunate with my my relationship with uh, coach Michael Bailey to have worked um, the inaugural Allen Iverson round ball classic which was held in Virginia that that year uh, just be around some tremendous players who are now in the NBA, some sure. wonderful coaches uh, who, who helped them get there. So um, that, that kind of leads us all into today and, and you know, why I'm, I'm so passionate about the things that we're doing. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. There's so many, not only steps along the way, but like, like we alluded to so many things that you're still, still involved in and that you still keep active with, which before I get into our topic was something I want to touch on because you have uh, unique experiences that you do, uh, both being the national director at Next Level U, as, as you mentioned, also doing uh, you know, the skill development work that you're doing. So how do those positions, how have those positions kind of changed your approach or the way that you go about um, coaching your program at Central Mountain? Um, I mean, I, I have to stop and think, you know, about what is what is my passion? Um, a lot of times we can get, you know, we, we can look at uh, liking something versus loving something versus being passionate about something. Um, you know, my passion is is education and being able to teach players, um, teach kids. Uh, my, my, my day job, if you will, is uh, I, I'm a kindergarten teacher. Um, so yeah, yeah. so um, talk about patience right there. Yeah, right? for it's sure. Been awesome. It's been it's been a nice uh, nice yin and yang, but you know my passion is education, and, and basketball is is a is a mode of transportation for me to teach that. Uh, and I know that I can reach more human beings through basketball, uh, perhaps than just in in the classroom. Um, you know, this derived from my hands-on work uh, alongside guys like. Coach Mike Bailey, as I mentioned, uh, trainers Gannon Baker, Coach uh, Cody Topper, uh, Mike Lee, Damon Altizer, and more. 
Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work with those guys from the training side of things. And um, it kind of, you know, again, I don't, I don't advertise myself much as, as a, as a trainer or, you know, as a coach or whatever, I, you know, it's, it's more um, word of mouth. And it started with, yeah. with guys like for me, like Nate Brown, who was just trying to looking for help to make a division three roster here locally. Um, and, you know, he, he turned that into some great, great opportunities for himself. And then, you know, that led to me being able to train some overseas professionals like Wally uh, Hepburn and Raiz Hunt, Cole Renninger. Um, you know, right now, Matt Cerruti just transferred from D2 here in Lock Haven University to a Division One in, in U Albany uh, for this coming season. Um, I've been able to work with the, uh, and train the Division Three MAC Player of the Year in Colin Jones um, this past year. And, you know, I, I don't take credit for where those guys are. Those, those guys wanted to be great players. They had great people and coaches in their corner along the way. It's just, you know, I, I found myself fortunate to help them. Uh, and, you know, I learned in, through all the work with those guys uh, who, who shared this passion, you know, for, uh, for me, education, for them to be educated. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what I learned and I'm still learning is, is how to marry those two things, which, which kind of leads into your question of, um, you know, I, I try to ensure that my team approach is, is conceptually based. Uh, you know, we're, in other words, we're not uh, some a, a program that runs a, a continuity offense. Um, you know, we, we do have a, a guide, uh, you mm -hmm. know, just to, to kind of let them be creative. I always tell my guys, you're, you're the artist, right? Here's your brush. Here's, you know, what our offense like is. Like <laughs> you know, it's, it's you guys, you guys paint the picture each and every possession. Um, having that conceptual based offensive mentality kind of allows me to then drill and, and train individuals, uh, whether it's as their coach or as their trainer in the areas of their skill sets, mm -hmm. uh, as they fit with the team need and, and where they can maximize what I call their primary game. Um, you know, so kind of their, their biggest strengths, whether that be natural or just what they've always worked on to this point. And while developing their secondary aspect of the game, which, which to me is, is just a counter. Um, to sure. to that primary game. And uh, again, learning how to marry those things is, has been uh, something that has not been easy, but um, we're finding more and more success with it to the point now that the players that I train that aren't uh, players that come from my high school program, uh, one of the first things I always ask them is, you know, what's, what's your offense like? Where do you get a lot of shots? How do a lot of your shots uh, derived from your offense because mm -hmm. I want to focus on you just being the best at that. Uh, sure. Um, and then uh, you know that that thought process um, to this point has has led us to to have two conference MVPs in my time here um, and twelve all conference selection, five of which were first team uh, all all conference selections. Um, and you know overall coaching and training are again as I go back to this ways to educate. Um, yeah but it's important that we know they're not the same thing. At least in my opinion, coaching and training are not the same thing. Uh, developing a plan to increase and strengthen a player's skill set is training. Uh, right. Helping others see the benefit of that player's ability and, and how it helps us and, and each person and teammate uh, is coaching. Yeah, I, I, I like the distinction there. That's a, that's a really good way to put it. I don't think I've ever heard it quite put that way, but... I, I really like that. Uh, really like that a lot, actually. Good. Um, 
So as you just kind of alluded to some of the success and some of the uh, uh, ways that you guys have um, done things at, at your current position right now, I'm sure as, as we're going to get into some of that involved uh, our topic of talking about late learners, players who are learning the game a little bit later than others. So uh, mm -hmm. let's go ahead and start coach with um, some experiences that you have uh, with players who are learning the game late and what you did and how you worked with those players to kind of get them caught up to speed with, with the game and, and, what you were looking for uh, for them to be successful in your program? Sure. Uh, I, I think before I get into that, it's important to know that this, this development process for late learners is one that for me, I also consider for players that, that have little playing experience. For example, they might just be seasonal players. In high school, we have that, right? We have these yep. multi-sport guys and they, yep. they have their focus sports. So um, I think it can be used as much for seasonal players um, or experienced players that, that are new to your system or your team. Maybe they have varsity experience with another program and they, you know, they transfer in and, and now they're learning your program or your system. Um, I, I kind of go down through a, a checklist of, of about five things and the, in no particular order um, for anyone, but I mean, I, I do try to look at it from this perspective in this sequence, most of the time is review their fit on the team. You know, what, what do they, what do they bring to the team? What does your team already have? Where can they be uh, maximized at? Um, assess their natural positive elements uh, that they bring to the game. So uh, in other words, um, you know, are they a player that has some natural athletic gifts? You know, something that can be uh, of use and, and of positive impact. Uh, you know, I always use the phrase impact winning. How do you impact winning mm. uh, when you're a part of a team or a group? Um, you know, and do they have some natural things that, that maybe are intangible that you can't coach uh, that can help you right away? Uh, because a lot of times that if they do, that, that can be a way right off the bat to, to ease them, to comfort them, to know that they're, you know, that they're making a good decision coming in, you know, late. And you know, especially in hoops, you know, we know it's, it's a high skill set sport. You need to have some skills to be able to be, to be successful in this Absolutely. game. Um, you know, and, and sometimes that can be daunting, uh, but I think to, to try to find those positive elements right away that they might bring naturally is, is uh, you know, comforting for them. Uh, wh where do these players fit into your team concept uh, is a big one for me. And then what is the, cl what, what class is the player, uh, for example, or, are they, you know, coming out for the first time, they're going to be a senior? Uh, are they coming out for the first time and, and going to be a, a junior, sophomore, freshman? Um, I think that all plays a huge part into, you know, what is your, what is your vision for them? And uh, what is your, what is your designed uh, plan, which is my last thing, which is to design a plan for their, for their development. Uh, and obviously you can understand how, if, if that player is going to be a senior, it's going to be a short-term uh, development plan, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's, that's going to have to something that, you know, to kind of go to the NBA, right? There's some organizations that are set up to win right now. And there's other organizations that are looking to, to build over time. So it's that way for an individual player too, is, you know, are they going to help have to help you right now? Or can you even slow their development a little bit and, and, and help them to grow over time to be something that's going to be really an asset to your program? Um, you know, the athlete, uh, I have, I have two athletes right now, actually, that are, that are in some of these situations. I have, um, an athlete uh, that just moved in. He's a junior. He has varsity experience. He's going to be here for two years. Um, but to learn our our system and, and how we do things is a little bit different for him right now. 
so he's more of a guard potential player. And what we're looking at is uh, intense short periods of work on specific prerequisite skills that are needed to be successful. Um, you know, so if, if this player is a, is a good athlete with, without many other intangibles, let's say, maybe he's, he's not a great shooter right now, or, uh, you know, again, he's new to our system. So there's not a lot of things that he's, that he's aware of. It's not like he's been here for numerous years and heard me say things, you know, inside and out. Um, what, an example of what my plan would be for a player of this position. Uh, so again, a, a, a player with experience coming into a new program uh, from a guard spot, I'm looking at, you know, within our offense, which we're, we're a motion offense that has a few different elements. Um, I'm looking at his attack footwork to build a straight line drive uh, thought process for him. I'm looking at a two foot finish package. Um, you know, over time we would build to a three finish series. Um, each one taught as a counter to the other and how to hunt. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that I'm always telling guys, you know, hunt, 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 hunt those opportunities within our offense. Um, so for example, a player that isn't a great shooter, but he can, he's explosive. He's a good athlete. He's, he, you know, he's, he's just got a nose for contact. Uh, you know, in our motion offense, I'm looking for him to understand, okay, hunting these shots. If you're going to set a screen uh, and you're popping, you know, that's a great way to, to create a closeout that you can attack in those straight line drives, which is the things that we're working on with you mm -hmm. to ease you into this. As we develop other things, such as your ability to shoot the basketball and, you know, from the perimeter or what have you, um, you know, obviously looking for those opportunities off of driving kick elements as well in the offense. Um, you know, moving to an athlete that is going to be a post potential player for us, uh, came out for the first time. Uh, last year as a, as a junior, uh, a little bit of an unfair situation as we're all dealing with COVID. Things aren't quite, sure. you know, we don't have an off season to build off of. And yep. you know, quite literally, you know, those practices, varsity level practices are his first opportunity to play. And, um, you know, we, we essentially just said, we, we, this guy, we can't give him too much. We just need to let him roll. We need to let him play and get his feet wet. And when he looks comfortable, we'll start to teach a little bit. Um, and for, for this player, uh, you know, he's going to be a senior for us this year. We're looking at deliberate work on, on two simple uh, moves, uh, each one with a counter. Um, you know, he's not a great shooter, but he does have phenomenal leaping ability, great strength, really just a raw, true athlete. Um, we're going to teach him to initiate contact within that seal footwork because I think that's a big thing for, for post players. Um, you know, our, our look is going to be we're going to work with a drop step, with a step through counter. Uh, working those things middle of the floor as well as baseline. And then we're also going to look at, you know, if, he, if he's put in a situation where um, he gets more of a mid-post touch to, to face up, uh, you know, you got one dribble to a two-foot finish and then a step-through counter as well. Um, the mic and drill is going to be the best friend for a player like that um, each <laughs> yep. and every day uh, just to gain that comfort level. Um, other elements of our offense that he could find himself in would be ball screens. And, and uh, simply all we do there is – we're going to mandate that you roll off of that every single time to get you back to those areas where we're teaching you, um, you know, ways for success. And, and um, you know, we, we certainly value the defensive ability for a player like this as well um, and teach him how to, how to alter shots, how to be there and help defense and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a real life plan right now that we're going through with, with two guys um, in this exact situation. With the uh, player that, that you just talked about, the, the potential post player that you have, 
when you're having a conversation with that player, are you kind of laying out, you know, here's all, all the steps that we want to build you up to. And like, this is going to be a challenge that you're going to have to want ri to rise up and meet. Or are you saying like, Hey, these are the absolute like things that you're absolutely going to have to do. And like, you know, if you want to play more, you're going to have to like reach, you know, the, these develop, you know, more, more post moves or develop more uh, of like finishing ability. How much do you put on, on them as like, this is what you absolutely have to do versus like, here are all of the things that we are going to make sure that you are able to do, you know, by the time uh, the year's over. I think that's, that's really dependent on, on the player. So if this is a player who maybe this is the only sport he does, uh, you might be able to take that approach and kind of dangle that carrot of increased playing time, the better that you get um, and, and the more skilled that you get. However, this, this particular player, he's, you know, he's a football player as well. So a lot of his fall is, is going to be spent on, on the football field. And I don't ask my athletes to, to come and put in hours of work after a practice or before a game either, you know, when they're in a fall sport, which yep. I, I think is probably true for a lot of us. Um, but, you know, being that that's the situation it's in, the, the best thing for me to do is to lay out what is going to, what is going to transpire uh, for him. And, you know, here's your very clear cut uh, rules. Here are the things that we need you to do when you're on the floor. And also knowing that any, any, late starting player or player that's new to your program that, that you know, essentially is, is in that same situation is they're going to get better naturally. They're, they're, mm. you know, just their time on the floor, hearing these things, being taught these things day in and day out is going to help them. And that's why I say that this, this is, you know, players like this, sometimes if you can find a way for them to impact you positively and impact winning, as I said previously, they're only going to get stronger as, as the season goes on. And, um, you know, same can be said, you know, like I said, this, this particular player is a senior and we're going to try and maximize everything that he's got for the 22 regular season games and hopefully our postseason. But, you know, if you're dealing with a player that's a freshman, sophomore, junior, somebody who's going to have multiple years, you can start to see how yeah, by, by the end of year one, we want this. By the end, you know, but then going into that offseason, we're really going to look to develop your areas here. Um, you know, so it's all about, again, that year and how many years they have going into it is is something that's really important, especially at the high school level. Um, just because, you know, they, they, they only have so many, um, yeah. so many years to, to do this thing. And, and as we talked about, it is a, a game that's very skill based. And, you know, the more skilled you are, the, the more you're able to do. But that doesn't mean that you, you can impact any more or any less, you know, as we've seen, you know, as the NBA, for example, is deriving, you're talking about a lot of niche players and a lot of players that are drafted as speaking of draft night or, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, that are, they're acquired and asked to just become niche guys, you know, yeah, specific, spot, shooters, specific, yeah, specific role players, um, you know, is, is becoming such a thing. And, and I don't think that, um, it's such a bad thing to necessarily do that at the high school level, especially with late, late learning basketball players. So, you know, a lot of times that's going to maximize their experience in your program as well. I, I think that that would be especially true for, you know, a player who's just using it as an example, like you talked about like a football player who, you know, if that's their primary sport and that's what they primarily do and they, maybe they put in significant more amount of time in that sport than they do in basketball. Maybe, you know, they're doing basketball and they're not necessarily looking to 
exert as much uh, like mental energy into thinking about the game or, or or learning as much of the nuance of the game as maybe players who solely right. like focus on basketball, right? And and maybe they just need to be told what to do and they can do, maybe in football, there's a lot more pressure on them and a lot more is expected of them because of their talent and skill set. Maybe in basketball, you know, they defer and, you know, other people are the leaders or other people are the more talented ones and they can just kind of fill that spot, be a part of the team and that perfectly works out for them. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I, I think that I, I can be honest with you. Like I, I feel like that was a huge problem for me. Um, and it's something that has, uh, you know, kind of, I've had to reflect on it. I've had to think about it a lot. I've gone through these, you know, a number of players. Um, you know, I, I've coached every, every level from seventh grade through senior high. Uh, and, you know, so I'm, I've experienced these guys that are coming out for the first time late in their late in their their scholastic careers numerous times and one of the first things when I was younger I you know I said what, what are we going to do with with a guy like this who's coming out you know <laughs> don't they understand that, that this this is a really difficult sport to learn and um you know but then then you know guys come along who are like that and yet you 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 see the the value in what they can bring and you know they can change the dynamic of a team very very quickly and and I've kind of had to to you know, kind of cultivate my, my way of thinking about this over time. And I'm glad I have, it's, it's led me to have some great relationships with, with players, even though for a short time, um, but uh, it's, it's allowed them to have some great experiences in the program. And ultimately as, as high school coaches, that's, that's gotta be our, our uh, top priority is, is that we have uh, make sure that our guys have great experiences for, for them. And, and kind of, as you said, what they're, what they're after in the program. Some guys are, are, you know, all about it. And some guys, you know, just want to have that, that experience. So now that that's getting me thinking about from, from a coaching element of these players who are learning the game late, developing the game late, I, I have experience of this too. And I'm sure you're the same way. What, what it kind of forces you to do as a coach is really like simplify your language, be very direct with the way that you communicate. And I think it makes you a better coach because you have to take all the information, all the terminology, all the things that you might normally want to say, and you have to make it concise. You have to make it something that's just very easy to understand. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing as a coach to sometimes be forced to simplify your language or maybe uh, shorten things up a little bit in your communication. Well, and, and going back to you know your second question about how how does you know training kind of kind of uh, mm -hmm. you know lead to my coaching now is one of the best things that I I heard when a, you know a while ago whenever I had the opportunity to work a camp with Gannon Baker I listening to him and just taking pages of notes listening to him short and sweet was was his advice to to coaches um, and particularly you know he I noticed he always would speak in rhymes it's just something that gets you know gets your attention and I'm like hey I'm a kindergarten teacher I, I am you know I mean? so so exactly simplification of of your language and, and how you're teaching things is is definitely a way to go and it's such a great um tool not only for new players but for any player um because ultimately sure. what they, want they want to play you know what I mean so find ways to to get your message across quickly and and let them get after it and then just kind of um, taking that and just into like a game application just for all of your players. I imagine if you are doing that, you kind of simplify your language. I love the rhyming thing. It makes things probably a lot easier to call out on the court if you just have to say a couple words and there's immediate action that can follow from that. And you're not <laughs> barking out very complicated sequences <laughs> with like no, multiple no paragraphs that you're yelling out in the court. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. So 
Um, an another tricky situation that, that sometimes happens, this is kind of a question that's kind of popped in, into my mind, is your balance that you and your staff have with players who are learning the game late versus your players who maybe have been doing basketball their whole life. They're all in, they're committed, they have a level of understanding about the game or a skill set that might be, um, you know, just, just far surpasses where you have you know, other players on your team who might just be learning the game late or picking it up their junior and senior year. How have you kind of worked schematically like in terms of X's and O's, offensive and defensive, in a way that kind of is able to merge both of those type of players together? Um, so, you know, we try to put the, the more intricate parts of, of hoop uh, on our, our guys that are a little more serious about it, that work at it, that really want it to be, uh, you know, maybe pursue it going forward beyond high school or just want their, you know, want to be the best basketball player they can be at this level for the time that they're here. Uh, and, you know, we, we actually did that quite a bit last season where I had specific calls for uh, my my top three guys who as starters were really my my basketball first mentality type kids. Um, they, they worked on it. They had great uh, versatile skill sets. Uh, and then my other two starters, well, very much uh, necessary to our success. They, you know, but they, they were kind of the kids that um, they were just extremely coachable kids. They understood that, that they hadn't worked on it and they were okay with that, but they understood that they brought a, a positive impact to winning as well on that team. And so we, we had certain calls that those three guys would, would just uh, really be the only ones on the floor to know what that was. Um, you know, and you kind of put it on them there and, and the other guys just have specific roles where it's okay. If this happens, you're going to cut if this happens. You're going to go get, you're going to get a screen. Uh, and you know, we even went as far as we have a, a little pass and screen away offense where we said to some guys, listen, you know, you, you weren't here. You didn't really read or work on the four ways to read coming off of a down screen. We're just going to mandate a tight curl, you know, go ahead and mandate a tight curl. And, and if you get the ball on that, on that tight curl, we, we trust that you're going to finish with a, with a, you know, we worked on our finishes all the time, two foot finish packages. Um, you know, we try again, we try to simplify things uh, for them, understanding that, you know, just because it's not their primary thing, you know, it's not their, their, you know, maybe their passion, however you want to, you want to mm -hmm. phrase it, it doesn't mean that they're not impactful. And, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things that we worked on last season was, was, um, helping everybody to understand that. And, you know, it was really well received and it was something that we actually grew stronger and stronger as the year went on. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting point about how, you know, just for some players, right, if they, if they weren't there or, they, you know, they just hadn't been able to put in the time in on certain things and there's certain things that just aren't going to be available for them. But like we just talked about, kind of maximizing what their strengths are. And I imagine... And, and I'll let you speak to it then, you know, your players who have been, you know, really committed to the game and have been sticking with it for years and years and years, they understand who those players are who are maybe are learning late and, and are they able to, you know, be able to handle the fact that you're probably going to communicate or maybe even in some cases expect a lot more from them um, in terms of what they're doing or their decision making than maybe other players who are learning the game late. Yeah, I, I think, too, um, you'll find that a lot more kids actually maybe prefer that, uh, mm -hmm. where the decision-making is taken out of it and they can just play, which is what they want to be there for anyway. They just want to play. Um, but that, you know, obviously I think they want to be, from a team aspect, a part of something bigger than them. 
which is why anybody becomes a part of a team, really. But I, I think that they do. They, they kind of appreciate the fact that, hey, you guys go ahead. You make those decisions. You create for me, and I'm just going to stick to the script and, and what I'm going to do to help make mm-hmm. us successful. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that that balance is able to work because, you know, I think that's a big, big culture aspect. I think that, um, you know, I'm sure you've seen programs and I've seen programs where, you know, players are, you know, treated differently. And, and sometimes they don't under, understand why that is or the, maybe the culture yeah. isn't developed that way to understand it. But if you if your players get it and they understand like, hey, like this is I know what's expected of me. I know where this player is at and what where they need to be. And but I know where I need to be. You kind of have that happening. I, I think that you you end up seeing a lot more success. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Awesome. So, in in terms of your own own coaching, um, by having to teach players late, we kind of talked about simplifying your language. But what have your experiences kind of teaching these late learners and having to kind of bring them on and bring them up to speed? What has it kind of taught you as a coach, or how has it made you into a better coach, having to incorporate uh, those players into your program? Oh, I mean, um, count the ways, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. It's it's something you know. You go back to to that word simplify, and um, you know, I'll go back real quick and just give some mm-hmm. examples of some some of that language that we use um, specifically. Let's talk about the guard who's yeah. you know he's new to the program, but he's learning the system and, and how we do things. He's going to hear a lot of phrases like one to the rim, one to the ball, um, tight flash fade, uh, re- referring to. Uh, some of the ways we read our, our downstream cuts. Ankles on ankles, referring to what he would be taught. Again, I've kind of mentioned those prerequisite skills um, in terms of, you know, that read step coming off of the downstream. Uh, slot wing corner, which are just the positions on the floor we want to fill in our offense. Um, that post player might hear things like line of deployment, which is, again, these are all phrases that we would work on from the training side, from the from the player development mm-hmm. side. Um, and there are things that we can you know, they're, they're quick one-liners or even one words that we can yell out to these guys. High, low, mid, post, understanding those areas in, on the floor. Uh, sprint the rim, trail to drag, which are things that are, again, part, part of our, our offense in both primary and secondary breaks. Um, you know, overall for me, I'm a guy that, that uh, I love to talk and I love to talk hoop. And, and, you know, so much so that my wife yells at me all the time for cutting her off. <laughs> because a thought pops into my head and I'm like, man, I got to get this out. I'm, I, yeah. I'm the same way. I coach with so much energy and, you know, it's allowed me to come to, to realizations of, um, you know, self-reflection and, and have to, you know, got to the point last year in the season where I felt, you know, while, while at the time I wasn't a parent, um, you know, I, I felt like I was in, in how the, the guys were, were uh, kind of hearing me. And in other words, it was kind of that whole, you know, yeah, I hear you, dad, in one ear and out the other, um, to where I, I kind of let my assistant coach take over a few practices, uh, even towards the end of the season, because I just felt like my voice needed to be heard in those really crucial times. We, you needed to hear me in games and even in practices, though I wasn't leading some of those practices. Um, when I spoke, when I made a point, I noticed I had their attention a lot more. They, they really let it sink in a lot more uh, and it meant more to them. So these, you know, simplifying this language has, has talked about, uh, you know, talk about uh, having to simplify your mentality, your approach as well. Yeah. It's, it's so hard. I think sometimes because uh, uh, like you, you know, I just consume so much 
basketball and coaching re related knowledge. Like you have all of this inside you. And it's almost like in some cases, as, as you kind of just, just brought up this, like waiting to come out at any moment, like you're waiting yeah. to just let it all out. But like volcano, man. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But your players, I, 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 they don't need all of that. You know, they don't need all of the knowledge that we have and, and, and they need what, they kind of need what they need and they need to hear what they need to hear. And right. um, like we just kind of talked about earlier, when you have players who are kind of learning the game late, um, you have you don't have a choice <laughs> as we just talked about, but yeah. uh, to keep things simple uh, for sure. No, that absolutely. Um, on the topic of you mentioned a couple times, you have players who maybe have played a little bit, or mm -hmm. you know they, they've kind of um, maybe not, not even necessarily in the recreational sense, but maybe they come to you and they think they have a certain skill set, but they really don't know the game that well, and you have to almost do some unlearning and then relearning have you had experiences with players who've had to sort of you've had to kind of break down some maybe misconceptions or some things in their game that that weren't where they needed to be and kind of build them up and kind of learn them the the right way and and if you have what sort of challenges has that brought um yeah i would say uh, we, we're not in an area where, where we get a lot of players that move in uh for example although it, it seems funny we we have guys coming up through our junior high program uh, that are now going to be entering our JV program. We have one that moved here from uh, Maryland, one that moved here from Alaska uh, out of the military. These are families okay, that are yeah. from here originally, but, but you know, coming back, you know, now that their time is done or the job has brought them someplace else. And we also have a player who's he's lived here all, his entire life. Uh, and, you know, just, you know, he was at a different school and, and now he's, you know, they've decided to come back. And it's it's weird because we're not used to getting guys like that here. Um you know, yeah, we don't have those different. things happen here. Yeah, you know, it's it's we're a, we're a, we're a big school in a small area, and hmm. um, you know, I, I would say that uh, you know, it's taught me that no two players are are the same, um, and it's taught me that uh, you know, basketball is taught differently all over the world, all over the country. And I'm, I'm cautious to say that I'm unteaching anybody or, um, you know, unlearning them from something or, you know, as you kind of alluded to the right way. I, I feel like if I, if I phrase it that way to guys, you know, that's, that's like saying, uh, you know, my way is, is the be all end all. Sure, and, sure. and, you know, but I try to help them to see, okay, this is how, we do things. This is this is the why. I always try to answer the why, and I tell my guys if I don't answer the why, you need to ask it. Because hmm. if you don't, if you don't know that, then you're it's just not going to stick. Um, and I found that in doing this, uh, in, in in kind of not not restructuring their thinking, but just adding to what they already believe they know about basketball or feel that feel very comfortable and confident in is, you know, I, I try to speak directly. I try to speak with facts, um, especially with these newer guys I, and guys from other programs or that have experiences outside of, of our program. Uh, you know, I try to refrain when they come in from long-term visions or talks of potential and those types of things. Uh, we, we just, you know, those things kind of derail the focus of, of them. And, and, uh, you know, we need to keep it right now. We need to keep it very direct. Um, perfect, perfect time. Uh, you know, to use the, the honest quote, I try to stay in the present, right? You just, this is, this is what you need to learn right now to be successful in our program. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we don't want to place fences around anybody. 
as a player, mm-hmm. because like I said, it is such an artistry uh, and it's meant to be that way. But I, I do want players to have success and, you know, that success breeds confidence and with confidence comes more opportunity to build them as players. So, um, you know, we don't, we don't really try to say your way is wrong. Uh, you know, we just try to talk in terms of, you know, how can we be more efficient in what we do? It's kind of like a, kind of like a language, maybe just like here's the terminology or here's like our yeah. language that we use in this program. Like not that <laughs> what you had before sometimes isn't necessarily wrong, but this is just the way that we speak it over here. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like you talk about the perfect example is, you know, we, like I said, down screens, wide pin downs are a big part of our offense and, and a big element of our, of our motion offense. And, uh, you know, you have the curl. Well, a lot yeah. of times guys, you know, they depict curl as coming into, uh, coming into that uh, mid post or elbow area for a jump shot. Um, we, we have two different types of curls. We have a tight and a long. So we usually don't say curl other than when we teach it, when we're really drilling it and trying to rep it in live play, it's tight, 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 or long, long, long. Um, and, and guys know what that, that is. The other thing is, you know, you might have guys coming in and in one area, they have another coach that, you know, and you get this with AAU too, right? They could be guys that have been in your program forever, but they're, you know, AAU is becoming so prevalent and, uh, you know, um, so many guys are teaching in, in, in women as well and, and they're using just different terminologies. And I think that's great. I think it's great that they go out and they hear some of those different ones, but when they come here, they understand that, okay, maybe we don't use the word flare. We use fade when you're coming mm-hmm. off of this or when you're making this read. And it's, it's, you know, there's, there's synonyms, but you know, I'm not going to use that, that word just because it's not the one I use. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so, it, yeah, I mean that language and, and I try to fall, I try to embrace that. I try to foster that that says yeah it could be this or it could be this this is what we use though yeah yeah exactly it's just you know this is the term and you know there's terms there there's a reason why you like them there's a reason why your program uses them and somebody else comes in that might be a different different term that they have but just here's our language (laughs) bring it back to the to the the overall topic is you know it can become confusing for for those newer players or whether it's new to basketball or new to your program um you know, if we, if we mix up terminologies or you let guys call it what they want to call it, then it just becomes more confusing for those players. And we try to try not to let their heads spin as much as possible. And it, we seem to, you know, keyword here in, in this uh, segment seems to be simplify. So mm-hmm. just keep it simple. Uh, uh, what <laughs> you, you brought that up and I was thinking about a girl who I, I coached a, a few years ago and she, she didn't have a lot of basketball experience, really good athlete, but not a lot of basketball experience. And I was just talking and giving instruction and I, and I used the term drive and kick and then she immediately like glanced down at her feet and i was like oh no. <laughs> i was like wait wait hold on <laughs> let's, let's explain what it is i mean by that but just things like that where it's like you can just use these terms and it's like oh wait yeah. hold on this is what this means actually <laughs> right right stuff, and, stuff and, happens and it is and you just you know i think the biggest thing too is when it comes to the languages just try to use it all the time and yes yeah you know sometimes the guys will i mean i I've had players in the past, man, they, they have some fun. I guess, I think we all do as coaches. We have these certain things that we say all the time. And, uh, you know, these guys really had some fun at my expense uh, at one of our, our banquets uh, postseason wise. And I was like, Hey man, whatever, if it sticks, it sticks. I'm cool with it. You know, at least yeah, I know yeah. you were hearing me, right. At least I know that you were, you were paying attention. I remember, uh, before we get back to the topic, I remember, especially during COVID last year, when teams had to meet virtually and they were trying to do team bonding and team togetherness. One of the activities a lot of coaches love doing was having their players do their best impersonation of their coach. 
And <laughs> that was a really good one to see some of the language that they, that they use and some of the terminology they just kept repeating over and over again. It, but hey, that we, stuck with them. It, it did. And we, we actually did a, uh, we did a book discussion for, for that time uh, that we were off. We did a Zoom, Zoom meeting every Wednesday night and we did book discussions and it was uh, Jay Billis's book, Toughness, that we were Oh talking. yeah, great book. Um, phenomenal book and, and one that's, you know, it's kind of, you know, basketball stories, but really it's, it's life lessons. And, um, you know, I, I remember there was one part there that we were talking about, uh, you know, do, do you feel, how, how do you feel I am in terms of, you know, coaching you? And I said, I'm going to, this is your one time where, you know, you can, there, there is no strings attached. You can say mm -hmm. what you need to say about it. And, and they did, they had some fun at, at, at uh, you know, fun to talking about those things. And, you know, man, I think you're going to do this. You know, when you get quiet, I, that's when you're, the, that's when you're really upset and um, how they, how they key on those things that I swear I never told them, uh, mm -hmm. but, but uh, they, they, they pick that up all on their own. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, for players who are learning, learning the game late, um, what, uh, I guess if we're trying to like do a little ranking system, whatever, uh, defense and being able to, uh, whether it's play man to man, play his own, whatever system it is, it, how important is it for that player to get right on, on defense versus the other aspects of the game for, for you and your program? I mean, I got to think that just logically de defense is, is probably the easiest thing, um, to, to learn and to, to grow some real comfort with uh, whenever you're whenever you're a late learner of the game of basketball, only because so much of it is effort. And I'm a big guy in terms of saying, hey, say what you say your job and say what you see, because we all know communication is a huge thing, um, you know, on the defensive end, especially if we're going to work as one unit. And, you know, so, so often that means what am I supposed to say? Well, tell me your job or do you have ball or do you have help? and say what you see, screen coming, cutter here, you know, and, and it'll take care of itself if you can remember to say those two things. Mm. And those are, again, simple for new learners to, new learners of basketball to learn and to, uh, you know, kind of grow into very quickly. And, you know, you, you simply tell them, listen, it's going to start on this end and the offense, you know, I, I like simple, easy offense. If we can get points off of turnovers, that's, you know, and not have to run offense, that's even yeah. better. Um, you know, so so it's really just an effort thing. And I think, um, you know, again, if you can get them to say, you know, tell, say your job and say what you see, you're going to gain uh, and develop some IQ for them on the defensive end very quickly. And, you know, that positioning can kind of take care of itself. Uh, you know, we always talk about weak side rotations and, you know, drop down to help the help. Those things take care of themselves if you can get them to to talk those you know those simple things. So get them get them get them excited about going out there and playing defense is something that we really try to do. Help them understand what benefits that's going to bring to us on the offensive end, and it could it could ease them into some offense. You you know, you, there's something to be said for being one of five out there on the floor, um, and maybe you're not offensively gifted or or you know you're just not quite there yet. Um, to be really productive, but man, if, if the squad on the floor is being productive, whether that's you directly or not, you, you get a little bit of a swag to yourself when you're out there. Like, yeah, I'm, I got look at my plus minus. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, you know, so I, I think it's all it's all relative. And but I do think that the defensive side for new learners is uh, a little bit simpler because it, it's all about the energy you bring and, and the intensity that you bring 
uh, with that. Something that I've kind of gotten the sense of in, in this conversation is that you are, you seem to be very explicit with your players about letting them know like what the what their role is, what's expected of them, like what you personally would like for, for them to be doing and, and perhaps like where they could grow to throughout, throughout the season. Um, so, do you have explicitly those conversations with like all your players? Do you, do you talk about like roles and what, and what's needed out of each player? Or is that something that they sort of like pick up on or kind of get uh, naturally or, or how does that kind of work with your program? I'll say over, over, you know, my four years uh, here as a, as a head coach um, at Central Mountain, I didn't start doing that. I, I wasn't a big fan of, defining roles I really mm -hmm. hung quite literally to what I had said earlier about not placing fences around players and I want but you really quickly realize that uh, you know not every player is built the same way you know it shouldn't be equal opportunity offense and sometimes when you tell guys man I, I really don't want you you know shooting these these shots you know and, and here's why but they get discouraged and you know I myself as a player was not a was not a great scorer I was you know I, I really focused on uh, you know creating opportunities for those guys that, that were and, you know, locking down defense and, and hopefully creating more opportunities for those guys that were, uh, you know, and, and that's kind of carried over into my coaching as well. However, um, I, I've kind of grown to, to have those conversations. They're tough conversations. Yeah. Um, there, there's no doubt. And they're, you know, sometimes you have to bite the bullet and, and, and have it. But what I've tried to use, as I said before, you know, I, I speak directly, I speak in facts mm -hmm. with them. If you're shooting, you know, in the 20s percentage-wise from three, you know, it's just not that. That's not the shot for you. And I, I mentioned it earlier. You know, what's your primary part of your game? And this develop yeah. a, you know, a secondary part which will act as a counter. Um, you know, I have a, a player right now who is a great three-point shooter. He continues to develop uh, to be efficient in that role, uh, and and he he really feels you know, strongly coach, I'm putting in the time in the weight room. I really feel like I can develop this inside game. And, you know, I, I don't want to discourage that from, I just want him to see how the primary part of his game and becoming so great at that will open more opportunities. You, you start shooting threes like that. They're going to close out differently on you. And that's going to create opportunities to get to that, you know, to get to that, that uh, place of finishing at the rim or maybe a little mid range action. Um, you know, and, and I just try really hard to, to help them understand that. And then, you know, there's times when with the right player, you can make a point to the entire squad as, you know, this, this is, this is how this guy helps us. If we're not going to look at him on these cuts, we're playing five on four on the offensive side of the ball. And what that's helped is, you know, every player feels that they do have the opportunity to score. However, your, your wide range of skill sets or lack thereof is going to determine the types of shots that we're comfortable with you taking in the offense. Yeah. And sometimes that means, you know, naturally you're going to take more shots or less shots and it's all, you know, it's all relative. And, you know, I mean, it happens at every level of basketball, but I think high school basketball, it's, it's really, it's such a fine line because you're dealing with kids who, you know, they're, they're still trying to understand how to cope with things. And sometimes they take, they take things personally. And um, I didn't realize that at first. And it's something that I've had to, you know, to kind of reflect on. And it doesn't change the fact that I am, you know, I'm hard on my guys. I have great expectations for them, but, but they understand now it's, I have great expectations for you within the role that, that you serve on this team. Mm. And 
Well, one of the one of the interesting points that you brought up in terms of some of that's really important. You talked about like the primary skill set, and then you talked about the counter or, mm-hmm. or the you know the secondary skill set, and you can imagine that you're going to have players who might be late learners on that counter or that that second yeah. skill set might not come naturally to them. And, and that in and of itself is a unique situation where you could have yeah. a player who's really good in the post and maybe they can do a great, you know, drop step or something, but they can't, you know, do like an up and under. There's certain other like counters or skill sets or mm-hmm. fadeaway uh, that, you know, they, they dominate in these other aspects, but they might be late learners to that. And that brings its own unique situation because they understand the game of basketball. They know how to play, but there are maybe – certain skill sets or certain counters that is going to take them longer and yeah, go and take it. And that's why, you know, we, we talk about it. it's in, in other, I've tried to look at it as a primary, primary part of your game, secondary part of your game. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we call them the strengths and the weaknesses, but I, I just, you know, I've tried to get more positive in my, in my <laughs> language in, in that and yeah. try to take weaknesses out of it all together. Um, because that's it's all, obviously that comes with a negative connotation for, anybody let alone adolescents but um you know it's it's uh you know the second you say weaknesses they just tune you out um in my experience at least and so in, in saying that it's like you know here, here's let's develop that second part of your game and and here's the opportunities you know so for example this this kid you know again he's he's developed a, a great primary game of of perimeter shooting he he has learned uh, this summer uh, just how to hunt his shots, whether it's off of pick and pops or, you know, his relocations off a driving kick and respacing the floor. But, you know, I said, let's, let's look for opportunities to, to work on this secondary part of the game that we're, that we're drilling, that we're training outside of games, but inside of games, where can we, where can, where would that be a great opportunity to look? Well, in a fast break situation, absolutely. Let's, let's look to, to work on your rim finishes in a fast break situation. Let's look to, uh, you know, really test the waters on, you know, if, as you let's say you get hot and they, they start to close out a little harder on you. Maybe they leave your feet or they just come out, you know, mm-hmm. very, uh, you know, out of control, you know, and you get a great straight line drive by all means, let's work on that. Let's really look to have success on that. And, and so we, the application, even though they're hunting the primary part of their game, they understand it's okay, but in these specific situations to start to apply that secondary part of your game. And, and, and for, you know, some of the players ever since I started to really communicate it in that way, I think, you know, number one, players have been more receptive. Yeah. And, and number two, they're, they're, they're more apt to say, okay, I, I kind of like that plan. That's, that makes a lot of sense. And then they hunt those opportunities as well. And what that brings is, you know, more of a full game engagement where, oh, I'm going to, you know, here's an opportunity for me to do something different where sometimes, you know, especially today, um, you know, kids can lose focus really quickly. And if, you know, if a, if a situation of a game, if you don't, if you're like, do not go to the rim at all, I don't want that to happen, then they're not going to sprint that lane as hard. Mm-hmm. And, and you might need right. that Absolutely. for spacing and things. So, um, you know, that's, that's, and again, that's just uh, an experience of success for, for me and some of my players. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to, to do things though. So. Yeah, so, I'm sure there's other ways to achieve the same things. Yeah, well, that's that's great. And for those listening out there, if you got to get away from strengths and weaknesses, I know uh, think glows and grows. That I remember that as one. That's that was the first one, one that came to mind. Is no po- positive uh, word choice. And it's rhyming. It's right up my wheelhouse. It rhymes. There we go. I'm using. I'm using. <laughs> 
Um, before we had our concluding segment, I wanted to, you, you talked about some of the success you've had with your programs. I think a couple, ooh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, was it conference championships? I, I think. Um, what role, if any, did, did you have any late learning players that were, were filling in roles for those players uh, on that teams that, that were having that success? Uh, you know, some late learning players, not so much. A lot of those players uh, on that, that, that was actually in my first year um, where we were able to win the league, um, advance to the district championship game and, and lost. And then I was fortunate enough to win uh, coach of the year in the conference. Talk about pressure after year <laughs> one. Um, you know, all the way around, uh, yeah. great, great pressure. You, you invite it, but yeah. Uh, so, um, we didn't, we didn't have late learners. Um, but in similar situations, we had seasonal players that, sure. um, you, you had to treat kind of the same way. And, and, uh, we, we definitely had, uh, some of those players on that run. And, and then in the year after where, uh, you know, they, that first year they played with some, some other, you know, some upperclassmen who had, you know, won a district title the previous year. And, uh, you know, so they brought a lot of experience back with them and, and how to do things. And, you know, I'll say this, it was great on that, that particular group of seniors because they had to adapt a little bit to style of play. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they viewed me as the, as the assistant coach on that district championship run a little bit differently. And now, you know, you know, you know as I told them, the only, the only thing that, that changes is what has to. And, uh, you know, I think that they, they understood that they did a great job, uh, showed their maturity as people and, and accepting that. Um, and they did a great job to comfort some of those seasonal guys as well to, to, uh, you know, make them feel a, a big part of it. And they were. Yeah. And, and you, you brought that up to kind of bring that back to something we talked about uh, earlier, you know, we talk about, you know, late learning players and, and, and I think perfectly, as you mentioned, just fits right in that those seasonal players, you know, those are the players that are, they are playing catch up if they're, especially if they're the ones, you know, not playing summer ball or some of these other things, they're going to be your late learners too. So yeah, yeah they definitely fit that description for sure. Awesome. Um, to wrap up coach, there's a couple questions uh, that I ask every guest. So we'll go ahead and get started here with this first one. Thinking back on your coaching career, what is a moment from your career that you think others listening would be able to learn from? Oh gosh, a moment. Can I do two moments? <laughs> I won't stop you. Go for it. <laughs> Um, I, I'll, I'll try to be brief. Um, but I, I would say one that really sticks out to me is, is, you know, um, you know, when I was looking to, you know, still find my, my ground as a coach and, and, you know, wh where did I really want my pocket to be as a coach, uh, at, at any, any level, um, was my, my work with the Allen Iverson round ball classic. I mentioned earlier, I, I was a part of that inaugural one and, uh, you know, I wasn't on, I wasn't on the floor, um, necessarily leading drills and things. I was a passer. I was a defender. I was a read man. Um, but, you know, I also uh, packed and carried boxes and, and sold T-shirts and, you know, went and got different things for coaches, for players, did what I needed to do just to be a part of that experience. And, you know, what that taught me was that there's no job too small. You know, if I don't do that job, that event doesn't go off the way that they, the way that they intended it to. And, you know, we, we can't always be so quick to try and get to the top. And it, it taught me that it's okay to be, you know, to kind of work your way up. And in fact, it, it makes you appreciate it when you get to, to, to the top of whatever level you're, you're trying to achieve at that moment. Um, for me, it was to become a high school uh, head basketball coach. Um, you know, another moment more, more centered around my players. Um, 
I've always, you know, I've talked a little bit about here is, is, you know, reflecting and self-reflecting and being, you know, being able to be honest. I'm always <clears throat> telling my guys, like, anything I ask you to do, I'm already doing, you know, I've, I've already gone through the, the pain of making it a habit. And, um, you know, self-reflection was one of those things because you go out, you learn, you, you want to implement all this stuff and you're like, no, 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 I learned it. I taught it this way and this is the way it's supposed to go. And you're, you know, you're like, okay, but it's not that way for everybody or it might not work for you or them. And you have to, you have to adapt and adjust. Uh, so you're always reflecting and, and trying to find ways where, wait, man, that is, is what I'm doing really getting through them. And, uh, we, we had an example, my, my second year in, um, a lot of the same guys that, that were, you know, maybe reserves on that district title team, uh, or excuse me, that, that league championship team, district runner up team that, uh, you know, or seasonal guys, what have you. Um, we, we were in a game, tight game with a conference opponent and, you know, late in the game and take a timeout, something that we had seen within the way they were defending. And we have the conference uh, MVP, two-time MVP uh, on our squad at the time. And uh, we, we anticipated they were going to try and double him, what have you. So we, you know, we, we designed a little bit of a, a faux action to get him coming across and take advantage of maybe some over-aggressive play. And, you know, it, it worked well. We got the ball into him on the block right where we wanted it to. This kid's 6'4", 240. He's dominant as all get out. At, at worst, he's going to get a – yeah, he played point guard for us that year. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, no lie, no lie. He, uh, he ended up, uh, you know, through – he and I have a great relationship. We've continued to train, not to get sidetracked, but now he's, you know, he's cultivated that relationship with he and I to, uh, and his, you know, increasing work ethic to a, a conference player of the year, division three conference. So, um, you know, and, and as a sophomore, so he's got a lot of, a, a lot to go, but um, you know, great accomplishments already for him. But uh, you know, we run the play. We do a very nice job of execution for a play. We've never practiced. It was just something that we had seen in the game. And, uh, he catches the ball on the low block. And, and again, this is a two-time MVP. He's huge. At worst, he's going to get fouled uh, and, and have two free throws. We're tied in the game. So, you know, no, not really any pressure to, uh, you know, on the shot. And um, they they throw a, a double coming down uh, from the from the elbow. And without without hesitation, um, this, kid, this kid reads that and – spacing having set the screen is wide open is one of those seasonal guys who's you know he's he works his tail off when he's there he has a purpose of, of course but um you know maybe his primary role wasn't to score this kid puts the ball in for one time reads a double team uh throws a pass right over the top of this kid for the game winning layup uh and and uh you know you sit there and oh great play great play and i'm, I'm sitting there thinking no that's you know that's you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really the, the, the play. It wasn't how you thought things were going to end, but it was one of those moments where I had to sit back after, you know, after a few days, even a few years to realize what they real what they understood right there was, um, you know, we always teach. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to play and not just the play. And, and that's helping, you know, going back to the training versus coaching side where, um, coaching kids is helping them to understand how each player is, you know, and their skill set is beneficial and how they can help you. And one thing that that showed me was that, that particular player understood what was probably going to happen, but how, how that 
attention that the defense gave him was going to open an opportunity for a teammate. And, you know, the fact that he was more than willing to, uh, you know, and everybody would have understood had he gone one on two and taken it up at that size where he caught the ball on the floor and he chose to make the the correct basketball play um, and, and, I mean, resulted in a win. So that's, you know, so much on those guys and, and they're, they're trusting one another. They're listening to us preach those things day in and day out and, and taking it to heart as it was. And those, those two um, moments for me were, have been huge uh, in my career, my work with, you know, whether it's coaching my high school team or training clients uh, going forward. It's, I, I can imagine in that situation that you have people talking about what, what a great play you drew up there. <laughs> what a great yeah. uh, X's and O's that that was you and your son. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it was to the catch, but, it, you know, I was like, nah, man, that was uh, that was get the ball there. But, um, you know, the way that play ended was the, the five guys on the floor just, again, understanding how yeah. they worked, you know, off of one another. And, and it was, uh, you know, it was great for the great moment for them. And I'm, I'm happy that, you know, I was able to, to uh, you know, realize that, uh, you know, days, weeks, months, years later, that uh, that's really what that was. That's what that was about. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. That, that That's what it's all about right there and, and ties right into our topic, too. So excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To wrap up, Coach, I give every guest what I call a 60-second soapbox to your platform to get out your final message, final yeah. idea, closing thought, something that you'd want to go ahead and leave the listeners with. If you go over 60 seconds, that's okay too. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor, coach. Go ahead and take it away. Uh, you know, I, oh man, I, I just, uh, I'll try not to go over 60 seconds, but um, <laughs> like I said, I'm, it's like a volcano sometimes. Uh, I, I would just say that um, we're, we're in a really good spot right now as a basketball community across all levels. Um, even, even AAU, though, it gets a bad rap if it's done correctly, which there's a lot of programs that do it correctly on, on its most grassroots levels. Um, and not, not always the, the UIBL levels and things that we see, you know, on TV. And that's like what we depict as AAU basketball. But basketball itself is, is such artistry uh, in both how we teach it and how we play it. Uh, but one thing that we have to understand as coaches and, and as players is that it does not define any one person. You know, no one person is basketball. And, you know, probably Kobe has, you know, has, has been – and was the most, uh, you know, outspoken about this, right? Like he just, it was a craft. It was something he was passionate about and he wanted to do really, really well, but it didn't define him as he proved after his career. Mm -hmm. um, you know, writing books, doing movies and all that kind of thing. Um, but, but in fact, you know, how one teaches or plays the game depicts who we are as people and, and our character ultimately shows in the way that we do things, whether it's, whether it's the way that we, we coach kids in practice and in games and, you know, families and community members see that, or, you know, families and community community members are seeing how those kids play the game, how they compete, how they respond to coaches, how they respond to certain situations, how they receive information from teammates. Um, you know, those things are ultimately character things. And, and that's what the game of basketball really is about. That's what any sport is about. But, you know, for, for me, that's what basketball has, has shown. And, you know, we can be associated with hoop, by all means, I mean, we are, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I know when around town, if somebody were to say Coach Bardo, the, you know, the first thing they think is basketball and that's well, it's all well and good, but I don't want people to think that that's who I am. Um, it's just something that I do and it's a way that I go about, you know, my passion of education. Um, but we should never define people as 
basketball as yeah. being, you know, hoop. I, I think that that's, you know, in a way it's disrespectful, um, you know, and, in, 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 you know, you're saying you're not, a, you know, you, we're not seeing who you are as a person. We're seeing who you are as a, as a basketball player. Um, but you get, if you really watch the game and you look at how a kid competes, you look at, again, all those things I said about how they receive information from teammates, that's really telling you who they are. Um, and, you know, the game's meant to be creative as, as well as to create for us. And whatever your hoops journey is, whatever hoops journey you're on, basketball is just the mode of transportation. And, you know, you have to take time to cultivate uh, relationships from, from these things. Those, those relationships ultimately create opportunities, friendships, uh, travels, and, and just overall experiences that you might not otherwise have. I mean, you know, I think I've, you know, in this get to know you in the first part of this segment, I think I covered most of those, um, you know, how they, it can take you places. It can, it can introduce you to people and, um, you know, put you in great opportunities to, to continue to give back and, and create opportunities for others to have those experiences too. I just think we have to, you know, sometimes think about that in the world of, you know, mixtapes and, uh, you know, social media, just 30 second clips, um, you know, we can associate people with basketball, but we can't define people that way. And I think that's, that's really important for us to know because we lose sight of the fact. And, and uh, sometimes we, we forget what it's about and that someday that ball is not going to bounce for you anymore. Um, you know, and, and, and what are you going to have after that? For some players, maybe they go into coaching to share that if, it, you know, and for others, it's, they're going to go into a, you know, into the workforce, into the world. And, and uh, you know, you're going to learn and have those experiences to fall back on. And, uh, I think that's that's probably the most important thing. I, I love that idea of, you know, something like basketball, like it's what I do, but it's not who I am. Yeah. Uh, I, I think like in so many things, even whether it's, you know, professional life or uh, things we get sometimes wrapped up our identity sometimes or get labeled or label others based on what they do rather than who they are as people. And, you know, maybe a small, you know, part of their life becomes the label that we give them, but there's so much yeah. more to them as people. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's excellent. Uh, Coach Bard, I want to thank you for spending some time talking about your program, talking about developing late learners, your coaching philosophy, uh, rhyme schemes, <laughs> simplicity, <laughs> all, all, all that great stuff. It was great. And uh, I wish you luck next year, especially as you get those uh, late learners uh, playing big roles in your program next year. Absolutely, Coach. I appreciate the opportunity again to, to share and learn from you as well. I got the, the lows and the grows. I love it. <laughs> awesome. And thank you all for listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. We will see you guys. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.